Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we focus on the people, the companies, and the technologies that are changing the future of retail. Today, we are joined by Kiri Masters, the founder of Bobsled Marketing and the Marketplace Institute, and also the recent author of a new book, Amazon for CMOs. Kiri, we've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time, so welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really delighted to be here. Yeah, I think we first met at a trade. God, it was a trade show probably a year or two ago. For those listening, listening at home in their car, at work, wherever. Um, yep. And I've, we've always wanted to have you on the show because uh, you are an expert in Amazon, and we get a lot of questions about that. I'm a new brand. How do I sell on Amazon? What advice could you give? So, so we're thrilled. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy to answer the those questions. And, and we have to note that she was the most nice person that we like, she was genuinely kind and came up to us. And that's not always the case in those, at those conferences in those. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, that exactly why I brought that up. Like it was like, it was such a pleasant experience. Usually for those that don't know, it's like the press room is like pretty much heads down. Everyone's working. No one talks to each other. And there we were, we just kind of struck up a conversation, very affable personality. I don't understand why you would go to a conference and not talk to other people, especially, you know, this was, it was shop.org and it's like the who's who of retail. Why would you not go and talk to other people? Especially if you're in the press room, isn't it your job to talk to other people? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe, it's it's maybe, a weird like situation, weird competitive dynamic sometimes. Maybe it's mm. us. Or maybe it's us. <laughs> Although yes. sure might agree with us. Too. I was so intimidated. Kiri <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and us, we can go out for beers. It'll be great. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah, if you're in the press room, say hi. Uh, uh, anyway, um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your background, who you are, where you're from, where you came yep. from, and how you're doing what you're doing today. Great. Well, the accent is from Australia. That's the first question people usually have. Um, and I lived in New York for about six years um, in working in the banking industry and then just took a complete 180, got into e-commerce, started this agency called Bobsled Marketing just about five years ago. And what we do is help um, branded manufacturers to navigate Amazon, figure out their strategy and implement um, implement across operations, brand protection, marketing, and advertising. So sort of full stack Amazon channel management. Uh, So I've been doing that for the last few years and recently launched a sort of um, an on-demand do-it-yourself sort of platform for brands that are looking to grow their in-house team or invest in their in-house team as it relates to Amazon because it is there's, there's a few different areas where it does make sense to have an in-house team handling operations for example or if you have you know a, a strong brand team there's things that they should really understand about Amazon so what we've learned over the last five years is all being um distilled in this platform called the Marketplace Institute where we're sharing our processes. We've got an Amazon helpline that people can call and also a, a, a peer mastermind mechanism to help people connect with their peers and learn from each other. So you have an Amazon hotline? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, was... I, it, I have to know more about that. It's like the turkey hotline <laughs> for Thanksgiving, but so much more relevant. What, how does it what work? What happens on the hotline? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it it was the biggest um, piece of feedback that I got from speaking with e-commerce directors and e-commerce managers when I was 
sort of doing some market research for this opportunity is that, well, when asking how did you come up to speed with Amazon, how do you stay up to date with, because there's a new rule change or a new program or a new change in direction from Amazon every week. I mean, it's there's so much to stay up to date with. And uh, that was a that was a major challenge. So these people who are often Amazon as uh, has a inverse relationship between the revenue that it represents to a brand and how many people work on it internally. There's still usually just like one person in a company that's left with the the big job of Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they that was a, a common um, concern is like there's no one really to talk with at Amazon unless you're Procter and Gamble you don't have a super responsive um, person on the other end at Amazon giving you some insight there. So people kept asking for an Amazon hotline and that's what we decided to build. That's fantastic. It's like phone a friend on on who wants to be Mm -hmm. a millionaire. How do they they utilize that hotline? So there's different, we've categorized into different topics with different subject matter experts on the other end. So um, a an expert in paid search advertising is not going to know a whole lot about how to, you know, optimize your POs on the operations side. So we've split it out into vendor central and seller central operations and brand protection strategy and marketing and advertising. And so at Bobsled, we have functional experts in all of those areas and they're going to be taking calls depending on the subject um, they'll need to be booked a little in advance, at least like two hours in advance so that we can get the right person on the line. Um, but we are going to sort of take it as it, as it comes. I'm sure there'll be some, some changes. That's so great. And so Chris mentioned earlier, you're, you're publishing a book, Amazon for CMOs. Is this where you kind of got some of the inspiration for that book or, or what was the real impetus for writing that particular um, Top on that particular topic. Yeah, so as on the agency side at Bobsled, we typically work with brands that are, let's say, ten million to five hundred million in revenue, and so they're already okay. established. There's there's someone in charge of of Amazon, in theory, in in some cases, but there isn't a whole lot of content out there for that size company. There's a lot of content out there for um, entrepreneurs who want to import stuff from Alibaba, flip it on Amazon and then like live on a beach in Thailand. That's the, (laughs) that's the biggest volume of content about how to do Amazon that's out there. And that's not super relevant to a $50 million company. Right. So um, my co-author and I, my co-author is Mark Power. He's also an agency um, guy in New York been in the industry for for 20 years and we we got together and and we were talking about how um, there just isn't a lot of sophisticated content out there for decision makers and so we decided to put together Amazon for CMOs that was just the the working title and as we kept going like this really it really is Amazon for CMOs and all the people that interact with CMOs whether that's agencies whether that's a CMOs direct report whether that is the chief revenue officer, this is the kind of information that people need to be able to make decisions about what their Amazon organization looks like, how to bring partners in, um, some of the pitfalls, some of the challenges. 
And critically also we've infused it with Amazon's leadership principles and decision-making frameworks. Hmm. So you can get inside the mind of like how Amazon makes decisions and sort of be able to better preempt what they're doing or when they bring something new out, understand why they're doing it. And if you get inside the mind of the monster, maybe have a better chance of anticipating what they're going to do next. Interesting. So I, I should have said this in the beginning too, in, in, in the introduction. So you're, you're a fellow Forbes contributor as mm. well. And so I'll put you on a spot a little bit as a writer or a content producer yourself. Like in the context of what you just said, and the reason I'm asking is this, is Ann and I get this question a lot and, and we know a little bit about it, but somebody like yourself is so much more the expert. You know, if a brand is, you know, in this space, what are three or five things they should be thinking about automatically in regards to Amazon and making that relationship as beneficial to them as possible? Mm. Great question. One of my favorite um, things to talk about is if you don't think your brand is on Amazon, think again and go and search mm-hmm. for it. <laughs> right. I love so that. that. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of brands that's, that tell me, no, we don't do Amazon. We don't want to you know, we don't want to go there or we've ignored it and you search for the brand. It's being sold there. It's just being sold by third parties who don't have any, yeah, they don't have any investment in your brand. They're not representing it correctly. In some cases, iPhone photos of your products, bad product descriptions. Um, A client of ours that we started working with about three years ago had some issues where their products would just complete the, the, the description of the product was completely wrong on Amazon. And so whenever they, and and they were a vendor, so whenever someone received their product and it was meant to be like a tomato flavor soup or something, Mm -hmm. they would get a chicken flavored soup. And so it was like just flat out incorrect information that had been uploaded by a third party. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you don't, think that you're on Amazon, just go and search and, and recognize that if you don't take control of this channel, someone else is going to be controlling it for you. So that's one big theme that I, I'm, I'm surprised, frankly, in 2009 that I'm still having that conversation with some brands. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know it's funny. I, I, and I'll validate it too. Like I, I can remember, geez, for me, it was 2000, I think 13, and I won't say the brand because I don't want to embarrass them, but like I, I remember having a, you know a lot of discussion at Target would be, hey, I'd love to get you in the store, I'd love to do this, and then, well, we can't, you know, we're not going to do that because our brand is so cachet, blah blah blah. And I'd be like, you're selling on Amazon. They're like, no, we're not. And then I'd like hold my phone <laughs> up, like, yeah, here you are, like, and it's at prices a lot. Oh lower my god, than you probably want. That's you know? funny. So what? Yes. Yeah, so, so what's uh, what's what else? What other advice would you give them? What's number two? Number two is. Uh, some brands want to really maximize their D2C channel and they want to keep some of their products, maybe their flagship products to themselves. And the idea is let's put some of our products on Amazon, but let's get the, let's keep our really good products to ourselves and like tempt people away from Amazon. And that's just not how it works. That's not, Mm. that's going to frustrate the consumer. Mm -hmm. If I want to buy, you know, I'm the, I'm the customer. I don't think about channels. This idea of channels is a concept for the brand and for the re- for the retailers. As a consumer, I don't think about channels. I just think about where is the most convenient place for me to buy the product that I want to buy. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's in a store. 
Sometimes it's on Amazon. Sometimes it's on a D2C site, but trying to obfuscate the channel that a customer wants to buy on is just going to frustrate them. And in the case of Amazon, in some cases, lead them directly into the arms of a competitor who is bidding for your product uh, keywords or your brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've, you've again, lost control mm-hmm. of that um, that uh, experience and that potential purchase. Or back to the third party who's putting it on Amazon to begin with, to your point number one, right? Yep. Like the same yep. cycle just continues. Okay. Yep. yep makes yep. sense. Well, what's, uh, what's one more? Um, hmm. I think that another thing I often talk with, with brands about is, is resourcing and, uh, bringing, bringing the right people in internally and externally. And, you know, I run an agency, but I also completely understand there's a lot of cases where you want to have your own team running the show at least part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 100% of cases, as an agency, we need to have someone who is able to call the shots and make decisions on the brand side. Mm-hmm. So it's a delicate balance between mm. having, you know, some capability internally for some of those critical functions where you need institutional knowledge or you want to retain it or invest in it. And then there's some functions which are so um, technical and specific and really benefit from being in an agency environment, that's things like um, advertising where things move so quickly and you want to like draw from a big pool of experience from your colleagues in many cases to say, well, like who else is working in this program or any thoughts on this beta so far? Is it worth it or not? Or like, what about this new targeting option? Those kind of, it's very difficult to work in isolation um, in that way. So there is, it's going to be different for every brand, but like figuring out what your, what your team should look like and which external partners you draw on versus the internal team and how that's structured. And do you have a dedicated Amazon team or does your customer service team handle some of the Amazon stuff? It's, Designing that um, that that setup is takes a, a little bit of thought and is going to be a little different from place to place. That makes a ton of sense. I think it's really brilliant, actually. So yeah, so part of signing on with you is really thinking, con- really thinking consciously up front to say, okay, how am I going to think about how this evolves and grows over time, and how mm-hmm. do I need to set up my culture around it, and my organizational structure to be able to support all the different things that are going to be required as we start this relationship with Amazon or try to take it to a new level. Yeah, and there's a um, there's a CMO that contributed to the to the book because um, we interviewed about 15, 20 CMOs and retail leaders for the book as well. It wasn't just me and Mark spouting off about what we already know. We <laughs> interviewed a lot of people. One of the um, CMOs, the CMO of the pet care company Outward Hound, mm. Michael Parnish, uh, he had a really good way of describing it, which is Amazon is a microcosm of an entire business. So there's item level profitability. There's all the operational um, uh, inventory projections and making sure that you're in stock all the time. There's the brand marketing piece. There's the product piece. There is, um, you know, every, every part of the business is really represented with your Amazon strategy. So you kind of need to like build a company within a company to handle the channel effectively. 
Yeah, it makes sense. It's funny. We always talk about this concept of like the virtual mall. And I think I just, in a lot of ways, I just think, uh, and Facebook probably similarly will be this soon too, or Instagram, but yeah, it's just, it's uh, what you said makes sense. Cause it, Amazon at the end of the day is just another, it's just, it's just like a virtual mall. It's just, it's just, that's mm. your new storefront. And so mm-hmm. you dedicate entire store operations teams for the field on how mm. to do this yeah. and then entire store labor in the store on how to do this. It just makes kind of sense to me that you would try to set up something similar and just kind of like you're saying, kind of bite the bullet that this is how this works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's get on board and try to figure out the best way to, to optimize it. Mm-hmm. Now, how important is the whole full service aspect of what you try to do with your clients in terms of understanding how Amazon works? You know, you've got the advertising, the SEO, uh, all the different things that go into that, the product descriptions, the item data. Mm. You know, talk if you can, you know, maybe in closing, like talk up a little, talk to us a little bit about how all those dynamics play together, what the interplay is like, you know, and mm. you can share. Yeah, sure. So I like to refer to it as an iceberg where hmm. whatever they say 10% is visible above the water and then there's a, a huge mass underneath. So the visible stuff on Amazon is things like product content and photos customer reviews and some of the advertising that you see on the site or in the app. And underneath there is an enormous volume of stuff that needs to happen to just get your product to literally show up in search or, or in an ad. Um, and so those are things that are, you know, inventory forecasting, customer service, making sure that you're meeting all of Amazon's KPIs and requirements as a seller or as a vendor, your relationship with them if you're a vendor and like what kind of terms you negotiate every year. These are all things that um, come into play to literally get your product to show up on Amazon because if you are out of stock or if you get suspended or if your product gets suspended because Amazon's running an automated machine learning-led um, review of, of old products with the word glue in it and you, your product just gets suspended because they've got so many issues with like fly-by-night sellers selling dangerous products as we just saw that Wall Street Journal investigation where 4,100 products were found on Amazon to be mislabeled and potentially harmful that's what Amazon's up against. They're just doing, they, they can't possibly be reviewing every seller or every product. And so everything is automated to the hilt. And so if you don't have a really good understanding of how things work and how long it takes to get a product in and how to respond to a, um, an accusation from Amazon that you've got a, a mislabeled product or something like that, your products literally won't show up in search. You won't get any sales. You're going to drive customers into the arms of your competitors. You're going to, or your ad campaigns are going to stop and lose steam. So this is like, this is the iceberg concept. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the visible stuff. That's what customers see. But then like you've got 90% of the work effort involved with running a channel is all this really unsexy process driven um, activities that need to happen to keep the lights on. It makes sense. That's a great analogy. I like that. The iceberg. That's a good way to think about it. I've never heard that before in that context. Love that. Love that. All right. So we are going to get you out of here doing what we traditionally do. And uh, now I know technically you fall in the millennial ra- range from, <laughs> but we would love to play how millennial are you? And again, for those of oh the first time, it's not, it's not to judge how old or young you are, but really just 
what is your state of curiosity in terms of the things that are changing in the world? So, Anne, <laughs> you want to do us the honors with sure. question one? Sherry, are you ready? <laughs> I, I was born ready. Of, of course you were. All right. So in the last week, how many times have you ordered food or beverages uh, through a mobile app? Oh, my God. Dozen, dozens. <laughs> Seriously. And yes. you're ba- tell us where yeah, you are right now. Based. Yeah. I, uh, okay. Right now I'm in Medellin, Colombia. And as there are some things in this country that are really far behind the US and there's some things like this app called Rappi, which is actually raised like 50 million in, in venture financing. It's a Latin American startup and they hook into the major supermarkets here and all of the restaurants. And it is an Uber Eats slash Amazon Prime now hybrid of phenomenal portions. So I can get proportions rather. So I order all my groceries there. It's here in 30 minutes wow. for an express order or two hours for a longer order. Um, I can get even Rappi to go to the ATM for me and get cash out and bring it to me. What? I can buy liquor. Um, absolutely anything. So I I have a, just based on where I am right now, um, sort of a, 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 a hyper millennial answer to that question. Oh my gosh. Have you written about that for Forbes? That's a, that'd be a fun, fun. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Um, yeah. If I could pay somebody to get cash for me, I would definitely do it. It's, that is maybe one of the most cumbersome things yeah, that I have to cash. do. Yeah. yeah. I've never thought about that. And That'd it's always like, I'm article. on my way to a concert. I have to have cash. And now it's like mm. extra stop, you know, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to. Yeah. But, right. Uh, so many jokes I have too, but yes, I'm not going to share any of them. Okay. Um, All right. Let's go to the next one. The next question. Um, if you could use one social app for the rest of your life, what would that app be and why would you choose it? Mm. I'm afraid this might kick me out of millennial status, but it's actually um, LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I find people uh, generally not so trollish on LinkedIn and just having a good conversation. So I really love that platform. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that makes you non-millennial. I think that just makes you an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's like, <laughs> that's like the entrepreneur's lifeblood. That's lifeblood. Yeah. That's good. It's good you don't have too many trolls either. I've, I've got a few. There's a few that are on my list of, of trolling behavior for sure. But you're not quite. You as block nice. them. I don't block them. No, they're not too bad. In fact, I like getting into the scrapes a little bit. It's it's good fun sometimes. Okay. All right. Last question. When you are are going to a store, when you're not having things delivered. Are you using a credit card, cash, or using Apple Pay or Samsung Pay? Hmm. Credit card for the points. So not even credit card on Apple Wallet or anything? Um, no, actually. I'm a late adopter there. Why? Why do you think so? Um, I have an... I have a Google Pixel phone okay. and I okay. see that their payments um, not. system is so accepted or advanced from mm. what I know about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sorry, Google. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Awesome. That, that was great. That was cool. Yeah. We learned. That's so, why so I love doing this segment. We learned something totally unexpected every time. So learn mm. to learn a little about the Colombian market down there, but, but Hey, Kiri, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, Kiri, if people want to learn more, about the book, about what you do from a cons- consulting perspective, uh, you know, how should they reach out to you? What's the best way to get in touch? 
the best uh, I do connect with people on LinkedIn. If you send me a, a note to say that you heard me on, on the podcast, I'll definitely accept your invitation. And um, the, I guess the three main places to find me, Bobsled Marketing is the agency that helps brands with their Amazon channel. The Marketplace Institute is self-serve, building your Amazon capability. And then if you want to grab the book, it's called Amazon for CMOs. You can find it on Amazon once it launches on September 24th or at amazonforcmos.com. That was great. That was awesome. Thanks so much for doing that. Always a great support when people do that. Love it. Uh, Again, for those listening, this has been Kiri Masters, the founder of Bobsled Marketing and the Marketplace Institute, and also the recent author, as we just discussed, of the new book, Amazon for CMOs. It comes out September 24th. Kerry, thank you so much for being here. And to everyone out there, as always, be careful out there.